Principal Matters Podcast, episode 303. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, along with my co-host, Jen Schwanke, as we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas on this week's episode of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about the teacher's principle, how school leaders can support and motivate their teachers. This is content that you're going to be finding in an upcoming ASCD. I'm assuming they're your publisher, Jen. Right, right. Correct. Yeah. And an upcoming book by ASCD with Jen Schwanke. And so Jen Schwanke, welcome back to Principal Matters Podcast. Our listeners should know who you are by now, but I always like to let them know that you're the deputy superintendent at Dublin City Schools and the author of several books on school leadership. So it's great to see you again. And I'm excited about this new book coming out. Well, thank you. It is. Yeah, it's exciting. It should be out um, in the, for the masses at, in the end of July. It's, you know, it got caught up with some supply chain issues there for a while, but um, it will be welcome. I'll, I'll be looking forward to holding one in my hands. Um, you know, this, this book came, can I tell you the story about how this Please, idea? I was going to tell be? you that I, I know that um, you off the air, you were like, well, I don't want this to be the Jen Schwanke show, but I was, <laughs> but, but I, I kind of want this to be the Jen Schwanke show today. Cause this is going to be so wonderful to read your new book. So talk, give us the origin story. Why'd you write it? How'd the idea come to you? What, what was, what went into the development of this new book? I did say that listeners. I said, come on, Will, help me out here. Don't make this all me. Um, but I wrote this book. I had been presenting at a very large conference and I thought the presentation went very, very well. And at the end, you know, as you do, I said, does anybody have questions that I have not yet had a chance to answer? And a woman in the room raised her hand and said, respectfully, and I thought, oh no, <laughs> she said, I've, I attend conferences all the time and I never hear anybody give me specific tips for how to motivate my teachers. And she said, not just the poor performing ones or the, you know, she said, I've, I've, I know how to write an improvement plan. I know how to try to tr troubleshoot, but I don't know how to motivate all my teachers. And I said to her, well, that's a really complicated question. And she said, oh, I know, but no one's ever answered it for me. <laughs> So I left the conference and I was walking back to my hotel room thinking about it and my phone dinged and my mom sent me a text and my mom, uh, you know, she lives on the farm where I grew up and she often sends me just beautiful pictures that she, that she sees, you know, a flower blooming or a storm cloud rolling in. And it happened to be of this huge maple tree that grew when I was a child from a sapling into this amazing, enormous, just a magnificent maple tree. And it was in full autumn glory. And, you know, I went in my hotel room and I grabbed a, a piece of paper and I started sketching a tree as I was thinking about this woman's question. And then it just hit me because I thought about the roots that are below that tree and how deep they go and how those roots are the ones that are holding up such a strong thing here. And on that sketch, I, I wrote the words purpose near the roots. And I wrote the word priority near the trunk. And I wrote the word patterns on the branches and the leaves. And I thought, see, this is how we can think about teachers as they come to work. And this is how a principal can visualize how to help them and support them. I've always said, well, you and I have said on the podcast many times, a, a teaching career is long. It's, you know, three, four decades and life happens and life is hard and it's up and down. There's a lot of things we deal with outside of our classrooms and our schools. And sometimes principals forget that 
They, they look at a teacher's uh, performance on one or two measures, and they don't accept that, um, that a, a teacher's motivator motivators are really three things, their purpose, their why, their priorities, which is their current level or ability of commitment to their work, and then their patterns, which are really just habits, the habits that they have established. And, um, you know, the purpose doesn't change much over time. If if you have a really solid core purpose, it's going to be there still at the end. If you went into teaching with a weaker purpose, you know, because your parents told you to, or because it seemed like nice to have July off, that's going to really, those aren't strong roots that are going to carry you through. And then priorities, you know, if, if a teacher has given birth to premature twins, they're going to have some shift in priorities and that's okay. Um, sometimes priorities need to be addressed if they're having a negative effect on children. Other times we just need to show one another grace. Um, but, but priorities are really what drive the leaves and the branches of the tree, which are those patterns and, um, those patterns drive the daily decisions. And I think that they change over time in both positive and negative ways, but I also think they're the most susceptible to principal input. And so really that if we can approach, supporting teachers by their patterns, habits, and routines, and then understanding their priorities, then we can really help them in in meaningful ways. I was long. Sorry. No, 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 no. That was so good. I'm just, I'm I'm trying, I'm learning. So patterns, habits, and routines. And so those, those patterns, those habits, well, purpose priorities patterns is kind of how you, how you outlined it earlier you know, the why is the purpose. The priorities are often driven by those pressures mm-hmm. that people are facing or, or what tasks they're assigned mm-hmm. or given. And then those patterns are really the habits that um, that become, that really drive the outcomes. Because right. you, you and I both know that that all of us can have great intentions, but right. I heard a friend of mine said his grandmother used to tell him that uh, one good action is better than a thousand good intentions. Right. And, I, and, I, and I thought that's such a great, I'm holding on to that grandma statement right. because, because our, our habits and patterns are the products of our, of our, of our real actions, not the right. things we intend to do. And so sometimes when you're dealing with people, especially let's just use teachers, because that was the question you were asked. And that's what this book is about. When we're working with teachers, you're working with such a variety of Right. Influences on why they do the things that they do. And so I, I want to rest there for just a little bit because why is that important for a leader to keep in mind as they're navigating the care and the support and the resourcing of teachers? Right. Well, I think it's important because we are hardwired, I believe, as humans to assume everyone else's lived experiences or everyone else's intentions, purposes, patterns, priorities, they're all the same as our own, right? And so I, when I was a young teacher, I would get really, really frustrated because one of my core values was being on time, um, not missing any school at all. Like I would, that to me was a measure of a good teacher. And it took me a very long time to think, no, that's just a habit and a routine. It's, it doesn't speak to my purpose as a teacher. It's something that I do. Um, and it certainly does have an important impact on students, but as a principal, I have to understand that not every single person holds that value. And I might have a teacher who rolls in three minutes late every day, but she's the most, or he is the most amazing instructor connects with students, coaches, a track team that gets them home at nine at night 
half the year. So why would I say, okay, this person is subpar because they roll in a couple of minutes late to me. I have learned that is not a battle that you fight again, unless it has a negative impact on students. So I think it's important for all of us leaders to open our perspectives and again, realize the fluidity of patterns, habits, routines, understand the influence that we have or don't. And then, you know, working our way down the tree, thinking about that trunk, the priorities that, that, that is a really strong part of decision-making for teachers, but it is deeply influenced by the top, the branches, the leaves, the habits, the routines, it's deeply influenced as those things ebb and flow, but it's all held together by the root of that purpose. And so to me, it helps to audit in my own mind, if there's a problematic or a negative um, pattern or, or habit or behavior going on, what is the motivator behind that? And is it rooted in their purpose? They just really don't want to be here or can I think, no, they have a strong purpose. That's not the issue. Maybe it's a priorities issue and maybe that's something I can help with or not. And then kind of work my way up the tree to see how I can help out. I'm smiling because I'm thinking of so many things I want to add. And I'm do add. Remember, no, this is no, no, not no. the Jen Schwanke show add, no, but the, <laughs> the first thing I want to say is that one of the um, applications I think Jen is, is understanding that one size does not fit all. Right. And this is one of the biggest challenges I think leaders have is that we want one size to fit all. And so we, for better or worse, administrators, and that's what we're called, administrators, administrate. And how do you administrate? Well, you administrate through policy, you administrate through procedure, you administrate through accountability, you administrate through communication. But if, let me just give an example. If, if your assumption as a school leader is that everyone must lesson plan the same, yes. <laughs> right. let's just use that. Everyone right. must lesson plan the same. Well, you know what you're going to find? This is just the way it is. Some people's product that they, that they develop through whatever you mandate, is going to look really good. Right. And other people are just going to fake it. They're just going to fake it. <laughs> I'm it, laughing. It, it, yeah. I'm laughing because my sister, she used to teach in Alexandria, Virginia. Now she lives in Guatemala, but she, she had an evaluator come in and ding her on her evaluation because she hadn't put the date on the whiteboard the way he wanted them to. He said, the date is incredibly important. Well, you'd have to know my sister to know how, how true this sassy response was, but she decided to never put the date because she knew it didn't affect student learning. And she found a whole bunch of other ways to make sure they knew it was March 23rd, but that did not indicate she was a good teacher. And this principal really thought it was. And all it did to mandate that from her was make her furious and find ways around it. Yeah. And then you have a conflicted relationship and it's ridiculous. It's over the, a date on a whiteboard. So when you, to come full circle, when you think about the purpose and the priorities and the patterns that you see in the people that you're leading it's really important. And let's just come back to the classroom setting, Jen. Of course, good teachers have strong procedures and policies and expectations for kids, but, but they're not the, we're not robots. Right. The way that you communicate that in the, in the style, in the, in the atmosphere in, of your own classroom won't look like the way exactly. that I do it. Exactly. And that's one of the hardest surprises for, <laughs> for leaders right. is when we go from the classroom 
to the office and then you're like, wait, not everybody did it like me. Right. Or right. not everyone does things like I do. Right. And so you go through this crisis of like not knowing how to like give feedback to people or coach people because they're not just like you. And you know what is really important here is is students are fine with those changes. Mm -hmm. Just this morning at 5.35 a.m., I was running a carpool of my son and his friends to football. And somehow they got on the topic of the Spanish teachers at the high school. There's six or seven of them. And every boy in the, in the car had a different Spanish teacher. And you should have heard them. It was so inspiring to me. They said, Miss Z, wow, she's really hard on the oral parts of, of Spanish, but her tests are so easy. And another one said, oh my gosh, I would have done anything for an easy test. I had such hard tests, but we never really had to speak orally. They were all so accepting. They all recognized they learned Spanish. They all knew they took the same version of a final exam and they were not feeling feisty about it or like somebody had got, it was unfair. They were just very matter of fact, as principals, a lot of times we look for the criticism. We're like, where can we fix? They're too different. They're too different. We have to get them in lockstep. Kids are all right. You know, just so you don't have a teacher who's incompetent, that's an issue that would need to need addressed. But this was a team of excellent Spanish teachers and the kids knew it and they knew they were all different and it was fine. Several years ago, I was, um, as an assistant principal invited to, this was through our state department to sit on a school improvement team. And it was, you know, I, I dragged my feet because who wants to be on those teams, but there was a neighboring district that had a struggling middle school and I was invited in with some other leaders to observe and sit with the leaders and look at their plans. And here's what I discovered, Jen, the solutions that this district had come up with for trying to improve the school was to give every teacher a boxed segmented curriculum no. and map so that everyone was mapping no. the same, teaching the same <laughs> lesson, staying on the same schedule. Oh, I'm, my soul I, I, is crying. Oh, I know, well. <laughs> I know, I know. I, my, was, my spirit was so crushed when I was right. watching this happening. And here's what happened in reality was that the highly effective teachers learned how to manage around that with it yep. and around it to help effective learning happen. The mediocre teachers just kind of played by the book, but not a lot of great learning was going on. And the low performing teachers were still just as low performing yep. with the scripts. It yes. did, and so, so, so to bring it full circle, when you think about the, the teacher's principle, how school leaders can support and motivate their teachers, it's, we, it has to start with that understanding that, <clears throat> that the same classroom, the same pedagogy matters. The same yes. things that we, yes. that, that work in good classrooms, work in good school leadership. And we can't teach, we can't treat our teachers like, like we would not want to treat our students. Exactly. Who would ever teach a, well, I shouldn't say who, we should not be teaching classes, <laughs> assuming all our kids are the same. Exactly. And we shouldn't be, we should be leading teachers, assuming right. they're all the same either. Well, I, I could have named this book, The Trusting Principle, because I think principals have to have trust in their teachers. And I know there's probably listeners right now that are thinking of the one teacher. They're like, I can't trust that teacher. Yeah, but let's talk about that in a different, let's talk about that in a mo moment. Most teachers badly want their principal to admire, respect, and trust them. And if a principal says, hey, here's your content standards, think about the resources you need. Think about the instructional approach. Think about team members or colleagues who can help you. What can I do? And then you let them do it. Teachers are by 
by the very nature of the job, very highly trained. They're typically philosophically rooted and they just need a principal who trusts them and gives them the time and support. Now, of course, there's going to be that one or two teachers who, you know, just, just aren't performing. And, you know, I have some strategies that have worked for me in the past, whether it's a reassignment or a, um, you know, a, a plan that in which they are evaluated out of their position, those are really, really hard. And they, I swear they take up 95% of a, of a principal's worry bucket. Um, so I'm not saying this is a free pass where principals say, I trust you go forth. There still needs to be the accountability. There still needs to be that high expectation of, um, you know, student progress and achievement and growth, but the principal doesn't possibly have the time to micromanage at the level that would be necessary for, for what some principals think that they want to get, which is standardization and a certain uh, so, scope and sequence throughout the year. When I hear principals ask me, they, they ask all the time, they say, what is the resource you use for math? Or how do you um, keep teachers all in the same unit at the same time? I think I say, I don't. I absolutely don't. That would be crazy. Teachers need to know their students. They need to know their curriculum and they need to make decisions that fit both of those. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I know that because of where I'm located and because I travel to other places that are facing this same challenge. um, So principal managers, listeners, I'm speaking back to some of you that are going, wait a second, but my staff is inexperienced, or I have a lot of early career educators or emergency certified teachers or alternatively certified teachers because I don't have the quality that I used to have in the past. It it doesn't really change the tone of this conversation because you still have to understand the purpose and the priorities and the patterns that are necessary for their development too. And it's not going to happen if, um, if there's not trust. And so, so, so Jen, let's, let's stay there for just a second, because I know that you also talk a little bit about just responding to both the negatives and the positives. So just go there for a minute. Right. And when I was thinking about purpose, priorities, and patterns, I was thinking about there are negative and positive versions of both. And so actually the book is, is written by chapters in that sense. So there's a, a, chapter on what if a teacher is showing positive purpose? What does that mean? And how can you support them? Mm -hmm. What if they're showing signs of a negative purpose? What does that mean for students and how can you support them? And then I do that the same with priorities and um, negative priorities. I I feel pretty strongly about this because a lot of times what looks like um, negative or um, what's the word Uh, choices in decision-making and prioritizing school looks like a teacher doesn't care or is apathetic, but it really might be that their plate is overflowing, caring for a sick parent, dealing with a divorce, dealing with a death, dealing with mental health issues, either their own or someone in their family. And um, again, that doesn't mean you give that person a free pass, but it does maybe mean that you adjust some things. They might have a flexible work schedule. Uh, A quick story. I worked with a principal once who said he got a lot of flack because there was a teacher going through a horrible time, horrible, horrible time. And he let her come to work late and he, he built her schedule. So she left early. I'll tell you what that principal did is he had a loyal teacher for life. She just needed about six months of grace to work through a terribly abusive domestic situation. And then she got back on her feet and she would have walked through a wall for her principal for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we just have to understand that negative priorities are really just a situation and we can move beyond them. And then I also speak about positive priorities and those teachers that again, always on time, 
always planning, always planned, um, you know, good communication with parents and so on. And then I do the same for patterns too. Sometimes those silly little negative habits are just easy to fix. It's a, it's a teacher who never goes to stand in the hallway between classes. That could be a quick conversation where you say to the teacher, Hey, I know you're trying to get work caught up, but in these three minutes, you know, how can I get you to come on out in the hall and just talk to the students, make sure we've got the supervision we need. Sometimes that's as easy as it is to fix. And, um, when there's negative patterns or habits, what you can do to intervene in addition to how you can celebrate teachers who have positive habits. So I, you know, this book is certainly not written with rose colored glasses. There are a lot of challenges principals face with teachers. And I try to give a lot of real life examples of things that might make us crazy, but um, looking at that zone of, of influence and where we can help influence their purposes, priorities, and patterns. There's a quote that I've heard leaders make that, um, and I'm going to probably get it wrong, but it's something to the effect of, um, you can only rise to the level of, uh, you can only rise beyond the, the level, you can only rise to the level of excellence beyond the worst habits you're willing to tolerate mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and, and there's a part of me that's like, yes, that's true. And then there's a part of me that wants to go pause for yes. just a moment <laughs> before you move forward on that thought. Have you taken time to identify whether you're and I'm just going to use your words, right. whether you're looking at a purpose, a priority or a pattern, right? Because you exactly. probably need to study that person's actions a little bit before you address that quote unquote habit. Exactly. Because you I nailed think it. So. You yep. nailed it. Well, see, you get it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just pressing pause and it's just saying, okay, I'm going to see what this is. The phrase we use in my district. And I love this phrase. It's if you permit it, you promote it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true a lot of the time, but there's a lot of times too, where pressing pause and really getting to the why of why a teacher's behaviors or routines or habits or whatever, why they are as they are might make you think, you know what? I am going to permit this. And, um, as a way to promote the teacher's overall performance and impact on my school. So, um, as with anything, when you really get to know the story and you take time and, you know, check in with a teacher and say, Hey, I'm just worried you're struggling a little, and you're just one of the best that we have. Mm -hmm. My job is to make sure that you have what you need. So you want to take a quick walk after school. Let's talk this through. It's, um, you know, it's that old tired, but accurate phrase of building relationships. When you, when you take the time to press pause and, um, diagnose is too strong of a word and too clinical, but to really diagnose the, the why behind a teacher's motivators, you, you'll probably have much more success with a strong school culture of trust. I know I sound like a broken record, but I just want to say this for principal matters listeners who might be, some of you might be like resonating with this and you're like, oh, this is so refreshing. And it's a, it's a reinforcement of things I believe and have been practicing for others of you. There might be some fear because you're like, wait a second, this sounds a little too flexible for me. Right. <laughs> just tell me what the heck to do. Just tell me right. what to do. Um, and so, and I want to just remind you that, that, that both of those tensions should be in place at the same time. Yes, both can be true. Yes. Right. And what I've discovered about in-school leadership, Jen, for what it's worth, is your ability to be nuanced and wise in those moments where you pause and you consider before you move forward usually happen better within the context of strong processes and policies and expectations that have been communicated on the front end. So, So the ability to practice and I'm just trying to say this succinctly, but it's hard. The ability to practice wisdom 
and flexibility can only happen within the context of stability. Right. And so you can't be a principle that's just a free for all. Like I only believe in strong culture. We're just going to come here and have fun every day. And we love everybody. Exactly. You're probably going to have a miserable school because teachers don't feel like there's any follow through or processes or accountability be happening. But you also can't be the principal who's just so committed to rules and processes and priorities and 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 that you that that you expect one size fits all all the time, no questions asked, zero tolerance, because then you're going to create a place where people feel crushed. Exactly. And, and unmotivated and unloved, and right. they're not going to want to work there very long. And so th- there's this healthy tension that happens in strong school cultures. And I'm not saying this because I did it perfectly or you did either, Jen, but, but you and I know when we visit schools that have just st- stable, strong cultures, there's right. that dynamic happening. I, I'll give you an example. And I can't think of his name off the top of my head, so I can look it up later. But I was at a middle school in the Brazos Sport uh, ISD in Texas a couple of years ago. And I apologize that I'm not, this name is not coming to me, but I was in a blue ribbon school and I was invited by a middle school principal there just to walk his building. And he loved his kids and he loved his teachers. And you, but you know what else he had? Like he had like, like these expect student expectations, like of how we treat each other. And he was so committed to these. He had them posted on every wall in the hallway every cafeteria so that everywhere you went in his school, you saw those expectations everywhere. So he was doing both at the same time. He was translating consistently. This is how we behave in this school. And he was so encouraging to his kids and his teachers by enforcing them, but in a way that you could tell was not heavy handed. And so, so, so there are, there's just so many great examples in research that support what you're talking about, but any other thoughts, Jen, as we wrap up this conversation, because I want to continue this by the way, in some future episodes, because there's so much more to unpack here about priorities, patterns, and purpose. Sure. No, I think that ending with that story from your visit to Texas is, is spot on. Both can be true. High expectations and, um, you know, holding people accountable can live in the same leadership space as empathy and compassion and kindness and grace. And, um, you know, somebody, somebody called me on it once they felt like I was letting something go that I shouldn't on in one particular teacher. And my response, I stand by it is I lead human beings. I don't lead robots and, um, human beings are complicated. We're full of frailties. And like you said, I didn't do it right. I have so many mistakes, carnage behind me, so many mistakes. Um, so do you, so does every other principal, but we learn from every one of them. And at the end of the day, if my teacher said my principal understands me, that's a, a win for me. They, that doesn't mean always saying yes. Doesn't mean always saying no. It just means it's supporting them where they are. It's differentiation, really. It is. It's differentiation with your staff, just like you do with your teachers. Well, Jen, just to bring it full circle, I love that that person asked you that question and that that prompted you to put together a resource that principals and school leaders can lean into. And so you may be listening to this at the time of that book's release, but Either way, you can go online right now and look up the teacher's principle, how school leaders can support and motivate their teachers by Jen Schwanke. And I guarantee ASCD is going to be showcasing that title and giving you an opportunity to either pre-order or order that book. But Jen, thank you so much for giving us your time today and helping us think about the ways that we can treat our teachers like we would treat our kids. 
It's always such a pleasure, Will. Thank you so much. And I hope anybody listening who missed our previous episode about things you can be doing in the summer, go back and listen to that because I'm still thinking about some of the things we talked about in that last week, Will. It was was good stuff. It was good stuff. So principles, grab onto that too. All right. Well, thanks for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, everyone. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.